feel bad. <laughs> Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is Championship Week. Unfortunately, Oklahoma is not a part of Championship Week. We have uh, ourselves and some referees to thank for that and a rule clarification. But regardless, we're here. We're going to talk about what's ahead for Championship Week here at the, the, the last what I consider really the, the last of the regular season before it really starts going into the postseason play. I'm Steve. Lucas. Jay. Connor. We are out enjoying some cigars on the front porch because it was raining and it's wet and we wanted to stay dry. This is nice. The weather's holding off for us now. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's pleasant. And before we go any further, I'd like to thank our sponsor for all the midweek pods this last half of the season, Fluke Luke Fishing, YouTube channel. Fluke Luke Fishing brings you feel-good fishing content and honest reviews of equipment and tackle. Please go watch, like, and subscribe Fluke Luke Fishing. So Fluke Luke, he was probably casting out and and um, reeling in some big winners. I know we had some big winners we're going to get to later when we talk about the locks of the week. But um, kind of what's on you guys' mind? We've had some changes in the, uh, the uh, coaching staff for the Sooners. What? Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows about that, but we no longer have the controversy of Jeff Levy any longer. He has jet swept his way right out of Norman, and he like is quite literally actually. Yeah, yeah. And from what we saw, I think he's one gone. guy here didn't want to hire him to begin with. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Even though we're leading the country in this and that and all this other stuff, we know with our own eyes that the offense left some to be desired. I thought we said Brent Venables does listen to the podcast. That's right. So that, well, maybe that was if, before if his he did. Time, he yeah. shouldn't have hired. That was before. He, he didn't understand. We that was so the st- first time he yeah, listened. He didn't when he realized he had so made a mistake. And right, yeah. yeah, so I want to rewind the clock way back to January twenty fourth, I believe, of this year, and there was a, a text exchange that that was had because we were even then we were pretty dissatisfied with where we were. That was after a successful bowl game and things were looking well, up. successful, we lost that game. Well, yeah, but we outperformed. The offense did look better. The o- offense looked better. We outperformed. We covered the spread. We, we held our own against a really good Florida State team. The offense had played really well for the back half of the season last year, and yet we weren't satisfied. We were concerned about Levy. And in that text exchange, um, Jay, you said something to the effect of, what about, and you've what what candidate did you float out there? Um, was it Colin Klein? Yeah, yeah. Colin Klein. And, and and Lucas, what did you say? I said, uh, what about Seth Luttrell? What is what is Seth Luttrell up to lately? Yep. Yeah, and sure. And, and Jay, you recognize it was a good question. And from there, about three weeks later, we hire him as an analyst. And here we are, eleven months later, and um, he's going to be our offensive coordinator going forward. How do you guys feel about it? I like it. Um, <clears throat> He's he's studied behind and play called, you know. Um, he was a GA Kansas for uh, Mangino. He was at Indiana with Wilson. He was at North Carolina with um, Fedora. Mm-hmm. Um, he spent some time with Leach at Tech, and then he had his he had his own gig at uh, Arizona. I can't at, when you're at Arizona, you know, Mike Stoops is the head coach, so you can't really say he was. He learned on anybody there, but he was a play caller there. But he learned. But he was, you know, the active right. play caller. Right, he was the active play caller there. Well, and him and Bimbo were co-coordinators there. Yeah, and then um, Indiana, he was with Wilson, and then then he called the plays in North Carolina, and the SP Plus stats everywhere he went got remarkably better for the time spent that he was from the time he got there. They got better for the however long he was there, and then yeah. obviously he got the head coaching job in North Texas. 
I think I saw that he went to a bowl game five out of seven seasons, and they'd only been to one bowl game the previous decade or something like well, that. Well, and there was a point in time in, in one of those mid-years that he was there that he was starting to get talked about for some bigger jobs because yeah. of the success that he was bringing to North Texas. So, um, And just to be clear here, we understand the – the, the phrase of, of co-offensive coordinators, right? I know we're yeah. talking about Seth, and we do understand that the, the position that we're, we're speaking of is quote-unquote inclusive of Joe John, but I think between the four of us here, um, we can probably agree that Seth Luttrell is going to have a lot of the say in, in how this offensive, offense uh, moves forward, I, I think, into the SEC. That yeah, was a title to get Joe John more money and to keep him from going to Mississippi State with Levy. There's yeah. basically one co-coordinator, honestly. There's the offensive coordinator and co-coordinator. There's not right. two, it's not two coordinators. Co. It's right. coordinator and co. In yeah. some places, Good like when um, when Joe Brady was at LSU for that championship year with uh, Joe Burrow and what was that, 19? Um, yep. He was the passing game coordinator and then they had a different guy. Yeah, was he, was the the co-coordinator. he was yeah. the co-coordinator. He was the um, he was Joe pass, John. passing game coordinator, and the other guy was a run game coordinator. Which nobody even knows that guy's name, which is yeah. funny. Yeah, that's kind of amazing. But, but Brady made – I think he called the plays, but as far as titles go, that's how they had it listed. So for people that are like, oh, this co-coordinator thing shouldn't be, shouldn't be a deal, but it's literally just a money thing to get Joe John extra money because it's another an extra title, and then also to keep him from jumping ship and going with Levy. Um, we've makes had, him easier to be the next guy. We've had too. plenty of co-coordinators over the over the years, um, offense and defense. I mean, Venables and Mike Stoops were co-coordinators on the defense when they were here together before Mike left for Arizona. So, anybody worried about those titles doesn't know football. Well, wasn't Kevin Wilson a co-coordinator with someone here as well? Kevin Sumlin. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, and I, I think. I think Mangino what I know and Leach. Right. And I think what I like about this as well, and uh, Steve, I think you or, or one of you guys brought it up at dinner, is Jeff Lubby felt like a little bit of the, the odd man out at the end of the day with this staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I mean, it, it seems, I don't know, he just, even, to, even from a fan perspective, just kind of seemed like the, a little bit of an outlier, a little bit of a. Uh, square peg trying to go in a, a bit of a circular hole with what we were trying to do uh, with the team. Um, so, I don't know. It's uh, I, I think the group that we have, and I really like the fact that Latrell and Biedenbaugh have worked together um, before and been successful. I think the question, Lucas, you were asking uh, around um, why have we not been successful with, uh, with our offensive line, or Jay, I think you brought it up as well, is you know, I really think that Levy just had a bit of a, hey, I, I, I hear what you're trying to do, Bill, or, or DeMarco, but this is the offense that I'm going to run. And I think a lot of this now going forward seems like it's going to be in a little bit more of a more collaborative and, and well, more of a Well, hopefully there's chemistry. Hopefully yeah. they gel together. And I think my suspicion is Levy was learning on the job in a lot of aspects. He was learning on the job in terms of how to run the clock, when to run the clock, flow a game sequencing and one of the things I think that never really clicked was how to get all the, the, the moving parts together working as one cohesive whole towards a goal and really have an identity and part of having an identity is just to have all 11 guys on the field executing in the same manner on the same cadence knowing where to be and what to do and I feel like for whatever reason that was out of sorts I'd like to hope that it was because Lebby was out of sorts and he was out of sync with the rest of them and now there's going to be some synchronicity there. 
Yeah, sometimes if you're the odd man out, like we were talking about, maybe you're you're wanting to prove yourself to your coworkers, and you've got how you do things, and you're not as apt to maybe listen to someone as experienced as Beanbo. Yeah. Beanbo, I know I say Beanbo. Um, or DeMarco, because the whole, I look at it more from the run game aspect of it. It just seems like we either weren't run blocking what was best for our players, right? We were trying to fit players into a, a levy run blocking scheme that maybe we didn't have the guys to run it the best. Instead of adapting to the players you have. Instead of adapting to the players. <laughs> like, like it's almost as if he didn't go to beat and ball and be like, listen, I want to run a, a zone scheme and Bean, Bean Ball's like, yeah, you know, we're just, we're not really good at that. Let's do, we need to do more gap stuff. But in Levy's like, I, I don't this want what to. I know. That's not what I do. Yeah. And it, that's what it felt like all year because. Mm-hmm. Two years. Yeah. And the running back's the same way because. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah. You've yeah. got running backs that are too good for it to look this disjointed, right? So there certainly wasn't some sort of chemistry with either what the O-line did best Paired with what the running backs do best. And those two things have to, I mean, has to. they have to gel. And I think that, I mean, for as much as we, you know, take a dump on the guy, that's something that Lincoln understood extremely well and something that he really got out of his offenses. And, you know, I want to see that again. I mean, and I, I, I hope to see that. And I, I do think, Jay, to your point, I just don't think that's something that whether Lebby just isn't old enough in his career or, or is experienced enough to understand that. Um, but those two things, I mean, those have to work hand in hand to be able to have a successful offense. Yeah, or he didn't, maybe he didn't feel like he had enough skins on the wall to adapt in that direction. Just, or maybe, like you said, maybe he just doesn't have enough skill set to adapt his offense to those schemes. I think he's too inexperienced. I think yeah. he's too young. And the, the passing game was the same way in regards to um, he didn't adjust, in my opinion, to Gabriel's limitations of deep balls and stuff. Yeah. I um, mean, I also think there's a lot of ego involved <clears throat> because we talked about him not having accountability when it came to, you know, he kind of blaming players for, for stuff and not saying it was on him. Like, every other coach we've ever seen would do. There was a lot of, you know, the, the Art Bryle situation where he wanted to act like, you know, it's not a big deal, it's my father-in-law. He was defiant and defensive there, and he was defiant yeah. and defensive when it came to mistakes on the field that he would just throw his players on, under the bus either directly or indirectly. Yeah. Well, and people, and people can say he was, he was just being, you know, a family member of Art Bryles and, and but... From everything we understand, there were multiple conversations that happened when he got hired to basically set those ground rules, and they were blatantly broken disregarded. And yeah. disregarded. So that goes into something I wanted to ask, a question that I had, which was, um, how long in the works was this? You know, we talked about during the season some suspicions that, that maybe the writing was on the wall. My thinking was, um, this might have been... He might have been on the way out for a while. That one way or another, Brent may have decided this is not a good fit. And at some point, I'm imagining relatively recently, but not in the last week, they've had the conversation with him, float your options and look and see where, get your agent to look and see where you might land because 
we may need to go in a different direction ourselves. I think it's really hard to tell because of the Zach Selman, you know, relationship. You know, he spent his whole career at OU up until going to Mississippi State. So it's harder to tell how long it was in the works to me because of that relationship. It could have been after the Bryle stuff and, you know, um, obviously we don't think he played complimentary football with running tempo all the time, especially when you've got the lead and we talked about, you know, running clock and never doing that. So to me it could have been, hell, week, you know, six or seven that Selman, you know, knows that he's going to get rid of his guy and he's already got Levy in mind. Or it could be literally in the last two weeks they've decided, you know, he decided that that was his best candidate. You know, interviewed him the week of Thanksgiving, right? It was like the Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So I think that makes it harder to tell than if it was yeah. somebody unrelated to OU. Well, I don't think, see, I don't, I don't look at it that way. I look at it more like Brent comes to Levy maybe after the, what was the Rolodex game? Kansas? Kansas. Yep. And that's my, yeah. that's my that thought he goes, as well. That at that point, with everything that's happened and all of the, the cultural differences that they've had in the problems, it is almost certain that problems that go all the way to Joe Castiglione and beyond, that there's already friction. And then after that Kansas game, he goes to Levy and says, we're probably going to go in a different direction at the end of this. You need to start looking at where you might end up. And then it just so happens that Mississippi State opens up. So it's not necessarily that Mississippi State is going to be where he goes. It's just that he's going to go somewhere. And this, they avoid an ugly situation, which is he's left without a job. But you know there were going to be so many jobs open. He's going to land somewhere. Yeah. It, is, it would make sense strategically to say, hey, when that job at Nowhere State opens up that you probably wouldn't otherwise take, you might want to take it. It just so happens that it was a good job at Mississippi State that opened up. Yeah, and I see it in like a couple phases, I think, and to break down all kind of what you guys said. I think after the Art Bryles situation, I think that's a hot seat situation. I think that, Steve, your point, that's where the friction starts, right? Maybe there's something there before, but that's where, from a fan perspective, we all notice it. I mean, And he doubled down on it by posting that picture, even after people were complaining yeah, about it, yeah. he posted a freaking picture yeah. on the field. The next day. On well, the day. Yeah. Uh, it's his profile. His Instagram, it's his profile. profile. Yeah, it's his profile yeah. picture. So I think that that's kind of the beginning of... That's defined the administration. The fraction, yeah. yeah. And friction. Or friction, yes, thank you. Um, I think that all, myself included, gets a little bit discounted after we go and we beat Texas and we're 5-0, and oh, everything in front of us, we're on top of the world, we can go, or 6-0 and oh at the time? 7-0. Seven, seven oh. Oh, yeah, 6-0. 6-0 yeah. yeah, in the close game yeah. with UCLA. And we, uh, yeah, I think everything feels like, okay, you know, Art Bryles thing, let's move on, and then Kansas. However, had. though, I will say all of us, and, and I'll give myself credit on this, recognizing that Texas game, the it was not perfect. Yeah, the stall out. The stall out sure. was bad. I'm yeah. taking... Lots of notes during that game yeah. with frustration and complaints, especially early on, and then the stall is really bad for two quarters about. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's lost on any good coach who's yeah. watching that. And I don't think it's lost on it. I think it may have just been, hey, we just beat Texas in a game that we probably yeah, what are we going to we do? win. Like, yeah. I'm going to take what I can get. And then Kansas happens, and then you see the next step of the administration slash head coaching staff where Brent brings out – you see Levy, A, throw his player under the bus, like you guys mentioned. B, you see Brent bring out the comments on 
let's go let our guys go make plays. We have a Rolodex of plays that we can pull out in this situation, and we don't. And then and he kills the 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 um, coordinator. Yeah, that was pre Texas. That was after the SMU game, I think. Which one? Where he took away the the Monday press conference for the yeah that was after the SMU oh yeah that was early that was like second third game of the year no no that was this it was the fourth Cincinnati 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 it was the fourth game yeah because that was a poor performance that was one of our that's the lowest points we scored all season yeah yeah and then and then I mean to not only do that but to follow up Kansas with uh, a disappointing loss at Oklahoma State where the play calling in the back half of that game is is suspect to say the least. Mm-hmm. Throw another player under the bus, and then I think Brent comes out and says something else uh, along the lines of, you know, something has to get better on that side of the ball. I don't know. It's just this natural. This, this that was the Rolodex comment. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. Rolodex it was for the fourth was down that. play to Stoops. Yeah. And then where he says we have a Rolodex yeah, that plays better yeah, than that and one. against Kansas. It was we have guys that can go let, like run by guys or something like that. And you know Let's what play we did run? Against throw BYU. the ball down the field. We we ran a. a a uh, slant route to pick up a what was that third and seven? Third and eight. That was third. checked off by our right. freshman quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Third and seven. I think. So yeah. obviously that play was in the Rolodex. Yeah. You, you like to see that play over a when it's fourth and five, you throw a three yard route. I mean, but Steve, I think to your point about just kind of the, I I do think it was more of a hey, if something comes up, you you probably should take it because if not, we're gonna have to go another direction. I don't think he was Mississippi State's first choice. No, he was not. Um, and I, I think you made a comment earlier, Steve, around he's inexperienced. He's he's not far enough long. Essentially, he's young in his career. I, I find it. I think I sent a text to you guys, an over-under on how long he lasts at Mississippi State. And I think I put the line at three and a half. Four, four and a half. Four and a half years. I mean, he's I'm, got a four-year contract, so. Okay. So I, I'm I think I'm four and a half. The, I'm taking the under. Taking the under on that as well. I don't think he... Last there, I think you probably see him go from a head coach to an OC somewhere, and maybe a head coach later on in his life. Yeah. Um, but I don't. There's not a. I, I was confused after Ole Miss how people were asking or wanting him to be the head coach somewhere as well. Well, I think when Jay sent that text in January, it was because of the Bama interest. The Bama, right? Because yeah. that's the, right. There was a rumor that Bama wanted Levy, which I I don't see how Saban would have. I mean, other than. Ole Miss played Bama tough. Well, I don't know because there. who they eventually went and got wasn't some great coordinator either from Notre Dame. Tom yeah, Maurice I mean he can make some, mistakes like yeah. anybody can. Yeah, and he can get uh, be a, a victim of groupthink as well. What I what I point to as to this being, uh, you know, more planned by Venables or helped find somewhere a job for him, is from what Venables said, how he came down to picking Seth Luttrell as his OC. It was pretty, pretty quick. I mean, it was only a couple of days, 72, 72 hours-ish. Mm-hmm. And he said that he met with and interviewed and talked to – he had pro-coaches pro calling him. He had everybody head calling coaches. him. He vetted, current he vetted people. Yeah. And, like, well, that's really fast. <laughs> yeah, right? those like, were that's really fast conversations. Really fast conversations. Only Lincoln Riley moves that and fast. And if your phone is calling that quickly and that often by that many people – if if it, if it only took place in that short of time, you don't name someone seventy two hours later because no. you don't know who's calling you tomorrow. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So this obviously was the ball was rolling a little bit before. And if you wanted to go real conspiracy theory, even further, like where it was several weeks planned, um, 
Levy looked like he called games like he was trying to impress others the yeah, last two games. I would say so, too. Yeah, we mentioned it on the, the post-game video. I specifically said it looked like Levy was auditioning for Mississippi yeah. State. If we had done because that at all, balls, if, if, the, if the West Virginia and uh, TCU. TCU game plan were implemented in Kansas and Oklahoma State, well, we, we right now we're talking about yep. we're going against Texas, can we beat them again, do we make the playoffs? No, there's no doubt about it. If we beat them, we're in the playoffs yeah, because we're, we're, we're undefeated. Yeah. Right. So I'll say another thing that is kind of hopeful, wishful. Maybe this is the homer in me, but I'm going to give Brent some credit and the benefit of the doubt here. He's going through a lot. He's got a lot on his plate just as a head coach. And my thinking, putting myself in his spot, is you're looking for someone who can do this job and do it well so you don't have to babysit it. And you've got enough on your plate as it is with head coach. He's going through a lot personally. His wife obviously battling cancer. I'm sure he's at a mindset of, hey, I just need the right answer here. And I need someone I have a lot of confidence in. And if he starts to lose confidence in you, he just cannot have tolerance for that. If he were 20 years younger in a different position at a different program, you can have a lot more degrees of freedom there. But life circumstances and the pressure of this type of a job means you just can't. Now, well, not the, everybody the, the responds. Pro, the program itself. and Yeah, and not everybody responds positively like that, and I think he did respond really well and made the tough but right decision that you have to make as the CEO of the program, as the leader, to put everything in the right perspective and say, this is where we need to be. So I'm, I'm very proud of the situation, how it evolved. I'm going to go with the conspiracy or whatever you want to call it, that it wasn't just... This guy got a better job offer, and he took it, and we scrambled and figured out what to do. And look, um, I mean, and look too. Like, I mean, a lot of this is, is surrounded by. I mean, I'm I'm very happy with the hire. I think the I think the word everyone's throwing out there right now is continuity. I think the players appreciate it. I think the kids coming in appreciate it. Jeff Levy was a big part of us getting two double digit wins this season. Oh, I yeah, mean, absolutely. I mean, we we had a we had a productive offense um, relative. I mean, to a lot of the offenses out there. Um, we turn a six and seven season into a ten and two season. Nothing to scoff at. We mentioned that on the post game. Um, he gets Gabriel to come here. He gets Gabriel to come here. I mean, he. I think he gets what, Jackson to come here. He gets Jackson to come here. He gets Hawkins to come here. Um, Apparently instrumental in NIL. And is and that should not be discounted by any means. But there is, I think there are things that run their course, and the amount of criticism, the amount of hostility, also the amount of just obvious improvement that there is out there that we did not grasp um, when we should have. This is one of those things that, yeah, it was only two years, but it ran its course, in my opinion. I mean, there was not a lot. It, it, it was Jeff a good Levy, sample size. Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy could have go, gone 4-0 and or 5-0 and in his first five games next year and then got his ass beat by Texas and we're having the same conversations that we're having right now around, oh, Levy's never been the guy. It's all this thing. So I think it's good to get some some experience in there. Seth Luttrell, I mean, his his resume speaks for itself. Not to mention he looks like just a complete backwood country badass. Um, so he looks I'm, very serious. He and looks I serious, like and I I think he is serious. Yeah. I think he's a Brent Venables type of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think well, with his head coaching experience, I mean, what do you have, seven seasons in North Texas? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like I mentioned earlier, all the, 
all the really good coaches, even though Kevin Wilson didn't do great at Indiana overall, he's still one of the best offense coordinators in the last two decades. Um, also, Leach, I mean, we, we saw what he did as a head coach. I mean, Texas Tech, the only years that they've ever been good was under Leach. Um, and he was good at Washington State and all that. Um, I'm excited because I don't think tempo will be a normal thing. You'll you'll have you'll be able to run it when you need to two minute offense that kind of thing. There may be points in the game where um, you're looking you've you've scored a couple and you're looking to step on their throats and maybe you throw that in there on a drive to throw them off because it's not your norm. Or you but, found a mismatch, you just you right. roll with it and but don't let them That, it. that yeah. by itself is the reason to run tempo, but not what we were doing, which is ridiculous, and we've talked about it for two years now. Um, I'm excited to see. Maybe we get back to having a fullback, which would be great. Um, I think the best offenses OU's ever had for the last 20 years were all had integral fullbacks. I mean, we can name them. I mean, having a well, fullback having that. a fullback as your OC probably not, helps that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's and yeah, he knows the proven value of the position, but not just OU. It's nothing specific to Norman. But if you look at big programs and if you look at the NFL – they all have power run games, and they almost all have fullback games in, involved. Well, not in the NFL anymore. I so. don't think we'll have a true fullback anymore. Well, I think in the NFL there's quite a bit it's of transitioned. play. It's transitioned to the Braden Willis's of the world, right? It's a guy that's a tight end. Right, right. Well, he can line up I mean in the back. He's, not a, he's not a um, not a, not a true I-formation. He's not a, a Daryl Johnston, you know, no, no, I want no, no, a full. I don't expect I-formation, but I want a fullback in the vein of... You want a, you want a, lead, you want a lead blocker. Yeah. yeah. You want a lead blocker for your running back. Well, that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. So when I look at the NFL, they have power running backs. They yeah. don't have They don't have right. just a bunch of scat back Derek guys Henry's that are just going to run... not out there with a fullback. Full. Well, I mean, just because where he lines up, but he runs... He basically is a really fast fullback. They use extra tight ends in that position. Pirine is a fullback. I want to see fullbacks, though, or at the least pistol formations to where you're getting your running back a head start. And I'm tired of seeing the the running back lineup next to the quarterback and you run in an RPO fake handoff to the side on a on a draw or whatever. I would I think it's more it's it's more misdirectional to the defense if you're if you're faking a handoff from the running back coming behind the quarterback, like a play action, a, yeah. a play action with with them moving forward as opposed to sideways, it just seems like that. Yeah, th- it's a better offense, well, and I hope I hope that's what we're running. I, I do too, and I and I'm going to be more generalizing than your um, wish list, and just say I want us to run more what you see out of really high caliber program teams versus the teams that Levy's used to coaching in rinky-dink football where you have to do a lot of gimmicky stuff. I don't want gadgets because you don't have to have gadgets when you have five- and four-star athletes out there at every position. When you're super powerful, you just line up and you do your thing because it's more effective. And, and that's what I want us to get back to. However schematically it exactly works out, I want us to, to line up and do that kind of football. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why Mississippi State may work for him. I mean, yeah, Mississippi State needs that. He may, he may be the where, creator. Where six and six to eight and four is yeah, working. Where and the, keeps your job exactly. Where I mean, Ole Miss needed it, and it, given Kiffin has separated that team a little bit more than the middle of the pack from the SEC. But when Levy was there, that was a middle of the pack SEC team. I think 
Mississippi State is probably excited to have some of those, you know, s- plays that go for big yards that they're not used to. I mean, they we saw it the other day how excited like his his intro press conference was. We're gonna go shake up the scoreboard. I like and that. I I appreciate that. And Mississippi State was pumped for it because they they're not used to it. So um, who knows? I mean, maybe it works out for him there. Maybe he goes and is an effective coach because they can run some of this gimmicky stuff that these bigger teams don't have to run because they have the players that where you don't have to run that stuff. And another mm-hmm. thing great about Seth Luttrell is when he went to these other schools and he was getting Arizona into the top 30 offenses in the country. He got um, a North not, Carolina. A not great North Carolina yeah, team. Into the top 20 in Who went up against Brent Venables. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the last time he played the ACC, Venables, they scored 37. 37, 37 in the And that was when the ACC, ACC was rolling with Virginia Tech, Miami, Florida State, Clemson. And he's in the top 20 in the country in offense by the time he leaves and takes a North Texas job. So he's about to be able to walk into these high schools wearing a blue blood you know, shirt that says Oklahoma on it. And that, that logo is going to get him more more free will from these high school kids than any school he's ever other been. You know, Tech, you're not doing anything really. Arizona, Indiana, North Carolina. Yeah. They're not looking at that logo like they look at an OU logo. Well, and you add the so massive have, chunk of chew in his lip. I mean, he's got, <laughs> he's he's got the high school coaches on his side, the too. The opportunity to have the best athletes he's ever had as an offensive coordinator now, even though he's going into the toughest league he's ever coached in, obviously. So that I would have really liked to have seen this move in the final year of the Big 12 as a ramp up for him mm-hmm. in recruiting and just being able to play call against defenses that aren't as good. But we, we're taking what we can get, and I'm excited. Well, we've got some listener questions I want to get to, and they really dovetail with this conversation nicely. One of them we've, we've kind of dispensed with, I think, um, or at least we've answered something adjacent to it. And the first question comes from Mike. Did Levy lose play-calling duties after the Kansas game, uh, a la the Rolodex comment? Um, I don't think we think he necessarily lost his, his play-calling duty. I think that would be pretty drastic to think where would that go and what would you do. But it, it, we definitely think at least he was trying to audition for different jobs by doing different things. <coughs> Maybe in addition to that, he's also out there trying – he's getting influence from Joe John or whoever – about maybe in, in planning from Seth about what I should do differently. And so maybe to some degree he's opened his mind a little bit to what he should be doing. I don't know. Do you guys th- have any thoughts on that? I think there were some more involved conversations. I mean, you, you look at Kansas was really the first game that we stuck with the two-back system, I feel like. Um, yeah, Sawchuck's, the Sawchuck <laughs> era kind of started at So I, I think I don't – I think the last game of the season very much tells us that it and was not the the play calling duties were not taken away from even the OSU game where we come out after Kansas the public is saying <clears throat> the public is saying we need to throw <laughs> the ball downfield Venables is wanting to throw the ball downfield and all we open up the OSU game forcing the ball down the field so um, overcorrection that we talked overcorrection about. exactly yeah. and I, I so I don't think play calling duties necessarily were taken away from him but Steve to your point I think there were some. Uh, more involved conversations with his position coaches to say, hey, Jeff, maybe we should do this, and it maybe it maybe wasn't a suggestion type of thing. Well, magically, Sawchuck finished the season with 400-yard games. Um, so take, take away with that what you will. That's a good point. 
Well, this one um, will also be one that you could dispense with too quickly, but I think we need to think about it a little bit and ask you guys to put some numbers to it. This is from Eric. What are the chances that by this time next year we regret Levy leaving? I'll say that's a really unfair comparison. If we were back in the Big 12... He's like I've, a politician rejecting the question. No, I think, you could, I think you could compare the two equally if we were in the same league. We're not really sure what to expect next year. I, I don't know what that's a true. good Seth Luttrell-ran offense next year is going to be able to put up statistically sure. in a league, right? And I don't... I don't even. But I think it. You, you get fact. Yeah, I'm no, not no, even that's fully fair. behind that's statistics fair. either. Well, I yeah. think from a a game plan, uh -huh. um, complementary style, I don't think we're going to regret it at all. Now, if you're Chances looking at you statistically, do, yeah, either way, stati statistically, no, I'm not going to regret it at all. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, efficiency wise and all that. Yes. we probably have a lower number just because of the conference we're playing in. Right. Plus, we're also going to have. Not a true freshman quarterback, but a quarterback that's never had meaningful snaps outside the second half of BYU. Yeah, I think Jackson Arnold's going to be a better player next season than right. Gabriel, but he's not going to put up what Gabriel put up this year. So to answer the right. question, to answer the to answer question, zero percent. It's, <laughs> it's not so, and I, I say that kind of twofold. I don't think Jeff Lebby is the answer to us moving to the SEC. I'm not saying that by this time next year we're not questioning Seth Luttrell. There's a lot. Th there's a lot of things that can happen. But in terms of the regret that I have of, of getting rid of, regardless of what Seth Luttrell does in his first year in the SEC, I am not regretful at all that we moved on so from So here's Jeff the way I look at it. Agreed. I say it can't be zero because that's just not possible. But I understand the sentiment of what you're saying. <laughs> because if Levy goes and just lights it up and looks fantastic at Mississippi State, even if they're 8-4 and four and he looks fantastic, and we don't look like we've made progress, then there's a chance that you regret the situation. But it's more regret because, wow, we let a guy that's just fantastic get away. Or it's a regret that we didn't choose the right guy to come lead our offense. Yeah, or a combination of the two. Yeah, fair. So I'm saying there's about a 15% chance, and I thought that's a low number, yeah. that there's a 15% chance that we're regretful of the situation. It doesn't mean that you still don't want to make a change because he's culturally not the right fit. It doesn't mean... But it, there's a chance that he looks really good and that we don't look really good. I mean, it'll all. piss me off when Lebby goes and beats Ole Miss and we lose to them. That, I mean, that, that will make me upset. I mean, and that's, that's fair. I understand The comparison I would make is I was ready to see Heupel go, regardless of how great he was at Tennessee last season and really raised their profile. And everybody was like, oh, how could you have got rid of Heupel? Because look how good he is now. If that situation arises with Lebby, I would still feel the same way, that I would not regret it. I don't regret firing Josh Heupel and bringing yeah. in Lincoln just because Heupel got better later it doesn't that doesn't equate to me so I think I if, think if Levy looks great at Mississippi State and like Connor says you know we've got two more wins than they do maybe but they've got you know say they go six and six and we go eight and four but their offense is higher ranked than ours I won't regret it one iota so I'm looking at it this way and Eric himself I think put a 20 percent chance on it Think about it if this had happened. So we get rid of Mike Stoops, who we're all happy to see ha happen. If Mike Stoops goes and gets a D.C. job somewhere, and you're looking at a Brent Venable-like defense wherever he goes, and we were stuck with the Grinch situation that we were stuck with, we would regret it in that situation. So I think it's the spirit of the question is to that type of a scenario and that's fair. if that's that a, were yeah, to And, yeah, maybe I think. I think it's really low. I, but, but, I mean, even me. like 5%. I'm, I'm emotionally attached to it as well, where 
A bunch of homers here. The frustration, <laughs> the frustration that has been brought upon us in the last twelve games in terms of just what we should be as a football team is very much determining my initial reaction. I agree, zero percent is maybe an impossible number, um, just because. I mean, if Jeff if Jeff Levy goes and gets to the SEC title, and you know, for whatever chance that is, so, which so is up to one percent, yeah, it's still very it, low. There's a less than a less than five percent chance of that. I think it's so hard to compare because you've oh, got he's going to have to be so extraordinarily good, and I, we're going to have to look so extraordinarily bad. Yeah, we're going to have to look really bad, and yeah. even then, we have a. Uh, oh, I guess he'll be a sophomore now because we've burned a red shirt. Um, we have a sophomore quarterback with his first starts. Going into a much tougher league, it's just hard to compare the two. It is. It I also have is. a built-in bias because I didn't want Lebby to begin with. and Well, we all have a built-in bias because we none of us wanted Lebby. I mean, we had our doubts about Lebby in the Texas game last year. But what if I, so, I didn't want him to be hired, period, when Venables made the hire. So, Lucas, right. to that point, though, so let's, let's play it out a little differently. Let's say we actually are playing in Dallas in Arlington this weekend, and we go and we, we put up points against Texas. We win convincingly. Um, with a strong offensive performance, and then Lebby takes that Mississippi State job. Um, is there any different feeling of, man, like we may have actually had something there, or is it a, eh, thanks for helping us out and getting us to where we are, but good riddance? Yeah, that's how it would be because, like, like I pointed out over and over this season, I don't care what the numbers have said, where we rank nationally in offense, scoring, efficiency, all that, when I watch the games from the end zone, the best seats in the house, with my own eyes, there's too many inconsistencies. And it's not just one play here, one play there, where it's the, you know, you try this stupid play, but even though your offense has been running well, or, you know, it's sideways passes and, you know, all the terrible RPOs, it, it, it wasn't working regardless of what, mm-hmm. what the stats are. I mean, they're full game inconsistencies. Yes. It's not a play-by-play inconsistency. I'll, say it's, I'll strengthen your case beyond and that. And the tempo stuff. I, I, I it, never liked the tempo beyond stuff. Beyond all that, even if you said he got his act together and things were really rolling and all that, and, and you know, if BYU pulls it out and we're beats OSU last, year, uh, last week and we're playing and we beat Texas and all that, you still can say, and echoing what a really famous man said, he just isn't the right cultural fit, and here's the echo, and no one person is bigger than this program. He doesn't have to be the right, um, he doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all. We can go get somebody else, even if he's great, even if he's the best offensive coordinator ever. If he doesn't culturally fit, he's not the right man for the job, and we need to get the guy that is the right man for the job because there are substitutes out there, even for the best of the best, and we don't think he's one of the best of the best, and we want someone who's going to fit with this program. How much do you think... um how much do you think Brent consulted with some of the, the likes of Bob Stoops and Dabo over the last week in terms of... I bet it was further back than that, actually, with a lot of this. Yeah. Um, thinking about the cultural fit. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet, I bet he talked to Kevin Wilson, probably Fedora, um, Mangino. I'm sure he talked to Mangino. But not even, but not even, not even just the betting of Seth Luttrell. In just terms, in terms of, is this the right fit for me? Do, do I need to do an extensive external search, or, hmm. based on what we have, based on what Seth has done, or what other, what other people have done? I'll say this. What to direction appease, should we go? I'll say this to appease some of the people that might not be on board with this being such a great hire. 
there are probably better offensive coordinators than Seth Luttrell. Are Definitely there, more proven, yeah. Are there better offensive coordinators for OU? For OU moving into the SEC next season, probably not. And I think or a few. I think Brent had to really, really think about that because if we had if we had moved to the SEC in twenty five, I'm not positive we'd have Seth Luttrell. I just hmm. think you can't afford, no matter what of installing new verbiage, new plays, new stuff into year one of the SEC. Yeah. well, And, and it doesn't and, mean that Seth isn't going to kill it. And also, the, the, everything about Seth that's a great fit for OU. He's a great fit for OU in a way. He's not a great fit for other places. And other people wouldn't be a great fit for us even though they're great there. He's a former Sooner. You expect that you're going to have something more out of that. Now, there, that comes with baggage and that comes with the downside. But there's also an upside. Um, you you got to think at the end of the day, if it's a split decision or something close, he's going to stick around, and he's also going to put his heart into it yeah. in a way that you just don't necessarily put your heart into it. Yeah, there's if some, it's a stepping there's stone. Some pers- there's some personal yeah. investment for sure. Yeah, but we to play devil's advocate, we, we tried that with Heupel. It didn't work. Um, we brought back Mike. didn't work. Heupel was a first-time OC, though. No, with he us. wasn't. With us, he was. Uh, yeah, who was? Yeah, because then he went to Utah State. Yeah, I went okay. from assistant up to OC with us gotcha. in his first OC job. No, I mean, we I think... brought back Mike. Thinking, it's a fair... It's we're going to bring the, and gonna get and the gang back together and Brent left. Uh, no, there's a downside to staying with the loyal guys from your and program. And defend Heupel. But there's an know, upside, too. If if you had had Heupel for one more year and he had had Baker Mayfield, we might think differently about Heupel, too. Absolutely, really we would. Or if you got Heupel after he had had experience. Like, Heupel's maybe a completely different coach today than he was seven, eight, I mean, nine years ago. Yeah. So, and there's something to be said. And again, Heupel Seth doesn't do what brings, Lincoln, Lincoln did in No, probably not. But Seth, you know, Seth has the experience that Heupel didn't have. Well, speaking of all of that, another listener question from Mike. Is there a job in college football that is more of a direct stepping stone to head coaching than OU's OC? And he, he, he lists the, the following examples. Barry Switzer, Mac Brown, Jim Donnan, Watson Brown, Mike Leach, Mark Mangino, Kevin Wilson, Long, Norvell, Sumlin, Heupel, Riley, Lebby. It is a very impressive list of guys who either got their first head coaching job um, out of being their first OC job uh, at OU, or it was one of just a few OC jobs that they stepped into uh, their their head coaching job. So it's got to be, it speaks to how great the program is, that you've got a, a list of guys that, with a few exceptions, very successful as head coaches. Um, and all of them got that head coaching job after being the OC at o- OU. I mean, there's probably other schools. I bet Bama, D.C. Uh, tree is pretty big. Uh-huh. Bama in general, yeah. but it's not always their first stop. The, the Hay- right. Bama Hayden has Fry. a lot of yeah. rehabilitation. The first stop is what's kind of amazing. The Iowa yeah. Hayden Fry tree is wild. I mean, yeah. with, there's a bunch of guys that were in in that tree. Yeah, um, and, and by extension, Bill Snyder. The Hell Mummy. Yeah. But the and, then, mummy. and then by extension, kind of more of the tree that we're talking about is, I mean, even the Bob Soup tree is becoming a little bit more... Yeah. It's, it's branching out. Given, I mean, I know Jeff's not part of that, but, I mean, you have the Hypels of the world. You have a Brent now. Um, well, I mean, most of the guys on this list are, you know, Heupel. from, you know, Leach, Mangino, Wilson, Long, hmm. Novell, Sumlin, yeah. Heupel, Riley. Those are all it's Bob actually Stoops. a Snyder. Yeah. And now Latrell is, you know, a, as an OC. Mm-hmm. So, um, now I think it's a it's it's an interesting question because it just points out what a, what a great job this really is. And it's 
gets at something that was floated around with the A&M hire that for some reason A&M was pretending that their job was as big as the head coaching job at OU. It's just <laughs> not. It's not as big a program. It's just not even close. It's not comparable, guys. Well, here's another question. Last question from Mike. Will, Dang, Mike. I know. He got Save a lot of questions. Save for the rest of us. Will Dylan Gabriel follow Lebby to Mississippi State? I, I think he's done in college. I think, I think he's, he's had enough, honestly. So I would say, and I, this is a rough handicap because I haven't really put a lot of thought to Mississippi this. Mississippi State's quarterback's in the portal. He is. I would say there's a, I'd give it a 30% chance he's at Mississippi State, a 30% chance he's back at OU, and uh, maybe a 20-20 maybe a and a 60 that he tries to go pro. Yeah, I'll do that. 20-20 and 60. My deal is if I was his personal advisor or if I was his dad, his chances of making an NFL football team are very low. Yep. And I think you can make a practice squad, and those guys are like $85,000 a year. Just keep rolling with it, man. You've got one more year. You, you COVID has basically given you so you're saying another back to college to college. He's yeah. given you another year to make way more money than you're going to make. Period. I don't care where he goes. He'll make more money staying in college okay. than giving his shot at the NFL. So what do you put the numbers at? Zero percent OU. Zero percent OU. Zero percent. What? So what percent Mississippi State? Mississippi State. I don't. I mean, I guess there's a chance. I, I give it 20, 20, 60. I guess I got to have some percentage that he goes okay. somewhere else completely. Okay, I'll give him 40% Mississippi State. Wow. 60% the field. I was going to say 0% at OU. Zero. Come on. Zero. Uh, no, I, I say the same, though. I, I, and right, I, I know we're talking absolutes. But. If, he, if, he's, if he's not at OU, I'll give you a dollar. Right. If he is at OU, you're going to give me a trillion dollars. <laughs> and I'm still <laughs> giving you odds on that. Installment plans? <laughs> I, I'm going to say... Twenty percent Mississippi State, ten percent some other college, and seventy percent declares for the NFL. You're also at a no percent chance he's back at OU. Yes, no percent, guys. I, I think it means. would be okay. No universe. I will be a coaching suicide. Come on, coaching suicide to bring him back. It would be. It could be very difficult it, unless you get the right deal and you say, "Look, it's, here's your five hundred thousand dollar NIL deal. Come back to OU to be the backup." Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not, it's not coaching happen. suicide if he if he says, "I'm okay being the backup." He's not though, he's and not. he won't. I'm, but is. I'm saying it's not coaching suicide because if if he says, right, I, "If you I get get him back to, to OU, sign up for that," yes. If, if he comes back to OU and makes, I don't know what NIL figures for a backup quarterback. Let's let's say fifty grand. Oh, I bet it's that, more than that, that for this guy. That he ends up making. We, you know and we're going to go get a, a transfer quarterback. I would be 100% on board. Back. No, if he doesn't come back, we got to go get a transfer. Right. Wouldn't you rather have a guy with a, who's a proven commodity that's already here? Yeah, but the schools can't pay him. I'm 1,000% <laughs> on get board paid. if he were to come back as a, as a backup quarterback. 1,000%. Oh, yeah, I'm in on that, too. I'll freaking donate. I'll donate money. to the NIL. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'd be more than fine. If, if <coughs> so there's a chance. Except that he's the backup. No, I don't think there's a chance. Because that's not how the world works. I think that is how the new world that works. That's kind of how it's working. No, it's not. I think that's it exactly how it's anywhere. working. We've never seen. We that haven't happen. had that yes, opportunity. It, it happened with Spencer Sanders. Yeah, that's no, true. Spencer Sanders bet on himself and lost. I don't know. I bet he didn't with his NIL. I mean, he bet on himself and lost because he didn't get the job. There's no way Spencer Sanders went to Ole Miss thinking he was going to be out Jackson Dart. Yes, that's no why he went. No freaking way. Yes. No way. He, well, he could yes. have gone to 
even if he other did or didn't, it doesn't job, matter. That is the reality exactly. of what happened. He was betting he went, on himself. He yes. went to Ole Miss because, he, yeah, okay, you bet on yourself in the, well, again, you don't want to put a percent to it, on the 5% chance that you go and be the starter at that Jackson place. Dart's not I, some stud quarterback. I thought he had, I thought. Jackson he, Dart is Lane Kiffin's but that's guy. Not the, I bet in his mind he had, an, he had an 80% chance he was going to get that well, starting job. I mean, he's and that's idiot. why he went. He's well, yeah, he's well, that also obvious. could happen here. Dylan Gabriel could come back thinking he's going to beat Jackson Arnold out for the job. And wink, wink, yeah, sure, we're going to give you a fair shot. And all along, I don't Seth think Luttrell and to, Brent Venables. I don't think you do that to Jackson This is what we're doing. I don't, I don't think, think you do that, do that to Arnold. The coaches come out with a plan. They say. So you're going to say I'm going to bring in a, a backup? It's Jackson's, a transfer? It's Jackson's job. This is Jackson's you're the team. backup. So you're clearly saying, as a coach, back to your coaching suicide, I would rather have a lesser quarterback backing up Jackson Arnold than Dylan Gabriel. Yes. I think it would cost you Jackson Arnold. I don't know. It's not no, because Venables no, no, and I'm Seth Luttrell sit down with and Gabriel and say, you know. No, if, but if, if they don't have decided, that talk. If they don't have that talk. And Gabriel's no way they back don't have It's going to be an open competition. There's, and no, there's, there's zero I think chance that There's plenty of open competitions that are not open competitions. There's I mean, zero we've seen in 20 chance. years of, of Bob Stoops not having, having an open competition when we all knew who the best quarterback was and who was getting that. Hell, Baker wasn't named the starter. Lincoln said that. Kyler Murray and exactly what's what's, uh, what's West Virginia? Uh, yeah, uh, Austin Kendall. Austin, Austin Kendall. Kendell. Exactly. Lincoln said, "Oh man, it's close. I'm not going to name a quarterback same until the week thing. before." Same yeah. Well, thing and, can and again, I keep, I keep drawing the same parallel. I, I I think there were two conversations that happened last year at Ole Miss. I think there was the conversation with Jackson Dart to say, "This is your team, and you're going to have to do a lot, in, including maybe get both of your legs amputated, not to be the starter <laughs> come game one next year." There was a separate conversation that happened with Spencer Sanders to say, of course, we're going to give you your fair shot. We're going to give you your due. Come in, compete for the job. Who knows what's going to happen? I, Kiffin, I think Kiffin is the type of guy that would play two-faced to that. And that and I, don't I don't think OU does that. I don't think Venables, I don't think Venables would no, I don't have it in him to, say, to tell Dylan no, I think he'd be honest. the other side of it. It would be flat out. I Jackson's be our honest. starting quarterback next season. I th- I we would so love too. to have you come back as the backup. And we think you can get this many dollars to to make that happen mm-hmm. if if you're fine with being the guy that's one play away from being right back in the thick of things. I agree. That's most likely how it would play out, and I think there's a chance that it happens. There I think is it's a very chance. thin, small. It, it all depends it, on Dylan Gabriel's mindset on how, and how also good his, he what thinks he, gets, he is. Grade, his grade, yeah. Yeah, his grade is going to determine sixth, everything. If he gets a sixth or seventh or undrafted grade coming back, I mean, to go to the NFL – then there's a chance that they have that conversation and they say, we can get you enough NIL to where, I mean, his, his draft stock probably wouldn't drop for being the backup because his, his skill level is not going to change. No. I think at that point, though, I think if he does get that grade back and there is NIL on the table with us and with others, you see him, I, he's more likely to take a bag from Mississippi State. Yes, and go and be probably a pro- so. And be, yeah. So you know, maybe thirty ten is where I change my number. I mean, according to Matt Rule, you're talking about one two million dollars for quarterbacks. He's as good as any quarterback that's put going to put their name in the portal this year. Well, the Washington State kid already said he's had ten offers of a million dollars yeah. or more. Gabriel and the will have the exact wasn't same even thing. open and isn't even open until Monday. Technically, is he better than Riley Leonard? I don't know if I believe that billion dollars. By the way, I think I it's probably Gabriel. He's, yeah, he's better than Riley Leonard. I think. I I there's I would, a bunch of teams that'll take. Gabriel, today. Now, when you say a bunch, 
A bunch. How many is a, a bunch? He's going to A and M. That kind of money. A bunch. A and M could knock on. He may go to A and M. Yeah. That would be awesome. That that could happen. That would be hilarious. Dylan Gabriel playing Texas Thanksgiving. Gabriel's not going to go to Washington State. No, no, no. I'm I'm talking this part of the country. You're talking in the real realm of the upper Auburn. Auburn would take Dylan Gabriel. South oh, Carolina will take Dylan so, Gabriel. So maybe Florida what State we need to do Dylan when Gabriel. we revise yeah. our numbers is we need to revise them up that he's somewhere else. Yeah. I think he's 60% somewhere else. But not the NFL. Not the NFL. I mean, in college. You, he's in college. 6% chance he's playing college ball somewhere else. Yeah, I might think my only dispute with you is that it's not 0% he's at OU. Zero. But I do I do I think agree. it's, it's pretty unlikely that he's that he tries to go to the NFL. I'm I, I, I'd, I, I'm going to stick with... No quarterback that has had a 45-touchdown season says, yes, coach, I'll come back and give the reins to the kid. This no isn't freaking Disney. <laughs> no, it's this? not. He'd be doing it for a million dollars. This is ridiculous. If he's, if he's doing it for a paycheck that he's better than somewhere else, he's going to do it. It's, you, it's a detriment to, Jack, to Jackson Arnold. He, it you're might be. I'm not saying it's optimal. Your no, you're I'm saying it's your job. Yeah. Not, not when, not when Jackson uh, is is when, not when we're down ten points at Tulane, and you've got freaking Gabriel on the bench. No, I, I still think it's his job. No way. No way. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. It's not zero. It ain't zero. It's less than zero. It's less it's than zero. zero. It's not zero. It's it's higher. He might pay OU to go somewhere. Well, else. speaking of. Predictions. We made some predictions at the start of the year. We 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 looked at some over unders for some select teams. Really, I think we took the top teams and we also threw in Oklahoma State. We looked at ten different teams. We looked at Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC, Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. We looked at the over unders that Vegas was putting out, and that ranged from eleven and a half for Georgia all the way down to six and a half for Oklahoma State. And we said, are they going to be over or under? And the results are in. Does anyone want to guess who the how good the best predictor did? Hmm. What how percent? many teams? How many teams were there? Ten. Okay. We'll I'm going to say somebody got eight. Okay, that's wrong. <laughs> Steve, I bet you got six. Not quite. I got five. Okay. Jay got four. Mm-hmm. Connor and Lucas got three. Wow, wow. that's pretty low. We were we were um, all. We all took the under on Georgia. We, they were wrong. We what all was took that, 11 and a half. 11 and a half. 11 we all took the half. under on Michigan, and we were wrong. And then we start being right in different um, different give us, degrees. Give us some numbers on the overs and unders. And well, so uh, on Ohio State, I was the only one who got the over right at ten and a half. For Alabama, Jay was the only one that got the over right at ten and a half. For LSU, nobody got it right. Uh, everybody thought it'd be under nine and a half. Uh, Excuse me, everybody thought it would be over nine I was and a half. That's under nine. Yeah, yeah, and it was under. USC, um, Connor was the only one who didn't think they'd get, they'd be below nine and a half, so they only got seven. Um, Clemson, uh, Connor again was the odd man out there. The rest of us knew they'd be, un- knew they'd be under ten and a half. For Texas, um, Lucas and Jay were wrong. Connor and Steve were right that they would be over nine and a half. Um, everybody but Lucas was right on Oklahoma over nine and a half, and then I was the only one wrong on Oklahoma State. Everyone else knew they'd be over six and a half. So we also had the bet on USC, and that was just between Lucas and I, where where he uh, did me a favor and took the under. And I don't remember if it was actually the nine and a half or if it was eight and a half or it was seven and a half. But it didn't matter. I won. They only got seven wins, and they should have had fewer. 
And so you're going to owe me breakfast or perhaps a, a, a lunch. And Lucas took the over on that. Yeah, right? Lucas yeah, took the over, and he's very happy over. to have lost that bet, I yeah. think. He was, he was unhappy to have won that bet last year. It was the opposite year. of last year. Last year, <laughs> I won the bet. And I this didn't year, want I lost to. the bet. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us to the locks of the week. The realest deal, locks of the week. And the locks of the week, of course, are sponsored by Five Star Concrete. Get to my sheet here so I can read off the promotional for those fine gentlemen. So Five Star Concrete, the sponsor of the Real Estate Locks of the Week. David and Josh are a local business servicing the metro area from patios, sidewalks, driveways, shops, and more. Call them or text them at 405-306-3014 or look them up on Facebook, Five Star Concrete. So guys, we were as solid as Roman concrete last week. We were 12 and 0. 12 and yeah, 0. Baby. 12 and 0. Boom. Boom. That, Get that's, at us. That's undefeated for a whole season. Who's fat? Georgia <laughs> did that, and we did it last week. So step aside, Georgia. I bet everyone was taking the under on us. Yeah, was I, I, think the, yeah. I think the over-under was at like six and a half, and we, we definitely, we definitely uh, we exceeded it. We smashed it. We killed it. So, uh, Connor, you're, you're leading the pack. You're, you, you've hit 62%. Lucas, you've hit 60%. Jay and I have improved our stock, but we're still below 50. You're at 45. I'm at 44 with that one push that I had. So that gives us an opportunity this week to, in, you know, add to that victory and maybe go another 12 and 0. And I'll, I'll lead us off with what I think we're going to do. What do we stand do. as a group? Oh, that's a good question. I'll have to pull. Well, why don't one of you give? While I pull that up, somebody give their uh, their locks of the week. Okay, I will lead us off. Uh, this is a tough week. So conference championship week, I think there's only, what we say, 10 games to pick from. Um, all pretty competitive lines, seemingly. Uh, so leading off, I've got Liberty uh, giving 10.5. Uh, I've got Georgia giving 5.5 against the Crimson Tide. Was back and forth on that one quite a bit, but uh, Georgia's good. I think, they're, I think they're good at football. Uh, and then lastly, I have Iowa. I've got the Hawkeyes covering uh, the 22 and a half, uh, getting 22 and a half against the Wolverines. I, I don't know. A uh, lot of drama around Michigan. I know they're riding a high, and they seem to be united um, in their cheating together. <laughs> um, but JJ McCarthy can't throw the football, and Iowa seems to have a decent, a decent defense. defense. Is good. So. What did we say the uh, the total on that game was thirty five and a half. They've allowed two rushing touchdowns on the season. Yep. So and that's I think, what all Michigan can do. Is yeah. Run so the I think if Iowa State can, or Iowa if Iowa can keep it close uh, going into that second half, you may. I, I think Michigan's going to win the game. Jay, I think you said you're going to bet like a million dollars on the game because on, on the money line if it's available. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's because Michigan will not lose that game, um, which. It's not zero percent. Four defensive touchdowns from Iowa. Um, it would take four defensive <laughs> touchdowns. So well, okay. Um, I will call you when when that happens. So I've got Iowa uh, covering the twenty-two and a half. All right, Jay. Let's let's talk about you since you got called out there a little bit. Who are you picking? You yeah, picking Michigan? I no. <laughs> I am going to lock the Texas Longhorns at minus fourteen and a half. Uh, I know the spread's up to 15.5 now, but when I put in my lock yesterday, it was 14.5. Um, their run defense is really, really good. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying Ollie Gordon, he's not the, the reincarnated. He is not the next Adrian he's, Peterson. No, no, no. Yeah. Reincarnated right. version of Which I thought reincarnation, 
involve you death. You have to die death, first. Death, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure that we were all on the same page. Yeah, I, th- I think Oklahoma State's going to struggle to run the ball. And unfortunately, because I, I don't want to root for Texas to win just so that my lock wins. Um, I actually would prefer Oklahoma State to win, to be honest. I just don't think they can get it done. Uh, I'm going to go with SMU. Is it – do I lock it at two and a half or three and a half? For SMU, you, you have it, it locked at SMU? Yeah. I think it's five and a half. Did I look at that wrong? No, yeah, you looked at it wrong. It's a, That's a two and a half point game. Because right now it's Tulane three and a half on ESPN. No, it's it's two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I get the two and a half or three and a half? I guess it's, since I took Texas at the 14 and a half, I've got to take SMU oh, at the two and a half. He's taking SMU. He SMU gets, is five. He gets a plus three and a half for SMU. Yeah. So oh, that's moved a lot. Wow. It was five and a half on the sheet. Okay. Well, there you go. Nice. Maybe have some smart money betting down for SMU. And I'm going to take Louisville versus Louisville, Louisville nope. versus Florida <laughs> State. Um, wait, wait, wait. Go back to this SMU. Yeah. SMU is getting points. Yeah, they're getting points. Getting three and a half. There's five and a half on the sheet. Yeah. I'm taking them at five and a You're half when I locked it. Okay. Oh, All okay. right. All right. It's down to right. three and a half on ESPN. I was right. Okay. So, yeah, the, yeah, the, money, the smart money... Has brought it down two okay. full points. Yeah. Okay. I'm just 12, 12 and 0 has us all out of sorts. <laughs> yeah. <it does. laughs> we forgot how locks work. <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't. <laughs> I was helping you out, buddy. Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. The Sluggers. Is going to take out Florida State and throw the whole system into chaos. Yes. I think it's just a, it's a straight up win. Because then that's it's basically almost a pick em. Guarantees a one-loss team gets in there. Did I get that, that at two and a half? That game is at two and a half, I believe. Okay, because now ESPN is down to one and a half. So you get, it, you get it so at I one get and a half. So I get Louisville plus two and a half. Plus two and a half. That's plus right. Two and a half, yes. All right. So so just to, to, to let you know, <laughs> Michigan, negative 2,500. You can take you can bet on Michigan. 2,500 bucks to win 100? Uh-huh, on the money line. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's twenty five hundred to win one. I think so. No, yeah, yeah, to win hundred. Yeah, to win hundred. Yeah. So yeah, you should bet ten grand. <laughs> should. All you right. Bet me? I've got <laughs> Troy twenty five hundred. No, I've got Troy minus uh, two. What a five and a half against App State. Toledo minus seven and a half against. Um, Why am tomorrow. I? Is that uh, no? Those are digital odds. Saturday, you get you'd bet ten thousand to win four hundred dollars. That's all. I'm going to do it for you right now. You want it? Give me ten grand. I'll do it. And then I've got UNLV plus two and a half. Okay. Um, they're playing in Las Vegas Ooh. at the Raider Stadium against Boise. Yeah, Boise doesn't know how to act when they're not on that blue field. So, <laughs> or in the Fiesta Bowl, or we don't talk about that. Oh, ouch! <laughs> so, I've got. Texas giving 14 and a half and that's the team that I want to win that game actually um, same I so want, we can't go 12 and 0 or we can't go 12 we can't and 0 go 12 and 0 this week mm. I got Troy giving six and a half against App State no I, I took I took Texas I took Texas he took Texas we are losing our crap tonight fellas yes. oh, I thought you took a no this no, is this is where we're going to go this is where we're going to not get it I've got New Mexico State getting 10 and a half Connor has Liberty on the opposite side of that, giving ten and a half. So Troy is five and a half, by the way. Troy's now five and a half. Yep. Oh well, even better, guys. Come on, that's a bigger lock. All right. So we got. I'll, I'll have it all clarified. Try to make sense from any of that, but read the tweets. Yeah, read the tweet and read the uh, the Substack. It'll all be on there as a group. 
We are ahead of even. We are 88, 79, and 1, or 53%. So we're right at covering not, the juice. Not quite making money. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty close. 110, I think that's covering the juice. Just just right even, even money. And we, you know, we're drinking free at the casino the whole night while we're making these bets. But that's after, you know, 112 and 0. We're going to run off another 11, 11 and 1. 1. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's guaranteed. No doubt about it. Well, we, we hinted or talked a little bit about who we want to win. Let's talk about a little of the chaos that might erupt just for a minute. Um, what do you guys think about Texas's chances of getting into the playoff, which, if they did, would be good for OU from the standpoint OU's probably in a New Year's Six Bowl, right, if they get into the playoff? I, I don't know. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. That could get us in the Cotton Bowl. I think that gets us in the – I mean, Cotton Bowl, again, takes us over Oklahoma State. Do you think that's worth letting Texas get a chance to win a national championship? There's you no think letting. it's you think it's worth yeah, I, I think it's worth watching Texas get their just railed by Georgia. Yeah, I, I do believe. I would take it. If Georgia beats Bama. Well, or it's a lock. Get, so. I think Texas could give Michigan a run. Um, oh, I don't think Michigan's that good. I mean, they're I, they're a good team. But I don't, you know. They're not a great team. Too. Anyone can beat Michigan. So, I would I would not like to see Bama beat Georgia. And then Michigan get the number one spot. Texas get the number four with because Texas. I mean, I might pick Texas in that game straight up against Michigan. I Florida agree. State, I, I, which will put them in the national championship game. I, I do not want to see that. No, I don't want to see would, that either. No, that would be bad. Now, if they lost the national championship, that might be okay. Now, what would be fun is Florida State loses, which is a good chance. Washington loses. Very good chance. Georgia wins. Michigan wins. Chance. So Very then you've got chance. Georgia one, Michigan two. That leaves a third and fourth spot open. So one lost teams in that vicinity would be. Um, it's Oregon and Texas. Oregon, Oregon and Texas being. Texas. Um, Ohio State. Ohio State. Is, is that it? it? But the, cra- the crazy, the craziness happens if jo- if Georgia loses. Yeah, yeah, because then they'll have a decision to what the, to do with Bama what when they with, lost on the field yeah. of Texas. Yes. And the committee has pretty much said they're not looking at who's deserving of the top four based on the season. They're looking at the four best teams right now. And well, you've got a lot of people think Alabama would jump Texas in that scenario. You've got even it, it can get even more crazy. I don't either because if you've got a <coughs> Alabama victory and an Oregon victory, we're all just automatically saying Washington's out of it. Well, that's another one-loss team. You have a one-loss Washington, one-loss one Oregon, one-loss Florida State, one-loss Texas, um, one-loss Georgia, one-loss Ohio, one Ohio State. But in their, I mean, it's, in their criteria, they do state, the committee does, that conference championship matters. And so they're definitely going to give some edge to a conference champion. So that gives an edge to Texas in that case. But it also would give some edge to Alabama in one of those scenarios. Um, I, I, I think they'd have their work cut out for them, and there's going to be some disgruntled arguments no matter what. It's funny that here in this last year of a four-team playoff, we might have a situation where it's as clear as ever that you need a 12-team playoff. In my optimal world, I actually think maybe an 18-team playoff yeah. is probably, most likely an 18-team playoff is better, That's more just. I would rather have also. But I think a 12-team playoff removes all doubt in terms of, 
we can't argue about it. It's just what it, you know, everybody got a shot that's there. I could even say a 10-team playoff with a couple of buys is a nice way to do it. But it, it's definitely going to be a rough situation for a four-team playoff if some of this chaos happens, much less a lot of this chaos. You've got Florida State who, if they lose to Louisville, you are saying that they are, you know, most likely not the, one of the best teams out there right now with the injuries that they've seen. It's kind of a shame, though, that they're going to get left out in that situation so do they, easily. Do they get left out with a win? No. No, you can't. You just can't do that. Nope. I don't think there's any way you can do that. What if you have, what if Michigan wins? Okay. Washington wins. Okay, clearly in. Um, Georgia wins. Uh-huh. Oklahoma State wins. That would knock. Oh no! Texas you're saying out. Texas wins and not to to potentially knock Florida State out. Yeah, and uh, undef- yeah, to be and an Florida odd State man State out. Loses. No, Florida State no, wins. Florida State wins. So well, Florida State wins. They're in. Well, but they take into account injuries. how good they are. Well, look what Ohio State did with Cardell Jones. That was their third string quarterback. I'm just playing Devils. They went out and put 59 up because they will be. They and will then they be win the national championship of the six or seven teams we've listed. Like people have put up the different hypothetical odds. You know what I'm talking about? They, you know, MGM and stuff puts up the hypothetical playoff matches and stuff. Yeah. Florida State is the only double-digit underdog in all the games, and it's because they lost their quarterback. Which would be just like they were pretty much with Jameis Winston when they squeaked through that. But I mean, the they will be a significant year. underdog, even beating Louisville. Oh yeah. Louisville. They will be a 14-point underdog. I don't. The committee is not going to look at Vegas odds. They just won't. There'd be an argument, but they're not the but, but the boo, best. which is a guy's name. They've talked about the best. They are deserving. We all agree that a, a thirteen and zero conference champion is deserving to go. But that does not automatically make Florida State one of the best four teams. Not today, as we stand. Right, they will not. They I'll say it right now, they are not one of the four best teams. Everyone, I don't care agree. what they do to Louisville. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've got Oregon in front of Texas when. Texas's lone loss is to number 12, Oklahoma. Oregon's lone loss is to number three, Washington, which they would avenge in our scenario um, and say Texas wins. According to what the committee is saying now, Oregon gets in over Texas when strength which of schedule also wrong. should matter because Texas is uh, – they, they beat multiple top 25 teams in this scenario. Um, Oregon's only top 25 win – is Washington and was it Arizona? Do they play Arizona? This they year? Have Oregon has one. Oregon has one currently, so they would have a second against Washington. Yeah, they would have two top twenty-five wins. When the committee ranked, Texas will have three after if they beat Oklahoma they State. They can put Kansas State in at twenty-five and give Texas another top twenty-five win. So te- Texas could end up with three or four top twenty-five wins to Oregon's two, but for some reason they still. When they were asked about it, you know, directly, why do you choose? Why are you picking well, yeah, Oregon? He, he brought up this completion percentage. But yeah. case case state, but case state in that situation they, isn't going to get in. I mean, with with the teams, uh, they they aren't playing this weekend. The teams that are playing, I don't see no, anyone but the, really. The experts that I've seen have talked about what the committee has done. Yeah, they have historically left, they have left that out there hmm. to where they could move Texas or they could move Kansas State in because they're like twenty six or something. I, I think that they could move them in to where it looks better in Texas for Texas's yes. record, 
so they could use that to leapfrog for again. And so we all just assume that they've done it before. Yes, much like the history of the committee, I think they'll flip flop, and I think they'll put Texas in over Oregon if it plays out that way. You especially think a, if it's a decisive win. You think a Bama win? 28-27, Georgia's just out. They're just done. 29-game win streak, Georgia's out. I think out. there is a chance they're out, yes. I, I think you might have to leave them out over conference champions. Their mm. strength of schedule is not good at all. I think if Bama beats Georgia in a close game, Michigan wins, Oregon beats Washington, and Florida State wins, it's going to be wild because Michigan will be one at that point. They could move Florida State to two. And then they're looking at Bama, Oregon, Texas, Georgia, Georgia, Oregon, Georgia. Texas. Yeah, yeah, Georgia. Yeah. Oh, it's it's nightmare so scenario for they, them. If they some could of that go stuff happens. Georgia, Bama, is is the three four. So what's what's happy path? Even though Texas proved on the field that, that they beat Alabama. Happy path is Georgia wins, Michigan or- wins, Oregon wins. Well, Washington, 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 wins. Washington, 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 Florida wins. State. You have the first. Florida, Time we had four undefeateds, right? Yeah, it's never gone this long in the committee in the the four fourteen playoff era. They've never had four undefeateds going this into conference in championships. Season. Hmm. Interesting. That would put that'd be at e. I mean, the committee would just be yeah, ah, whatever. They have to do that. Yeah. yeah. Then they're just figuring out what the seating is, and they probably just keep it the same. Yeah. It probably goes Georgia. Georgia would Michigan, play Florida Georgia, State, Michigan. and then you'd Washington, have Florida a Washington, State. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Match. That's what the committee yeah. hopes happens this weekend. Oh, I absolutely. Because yeah. that's going to be the least controversial role for yeah. them to play is to say, well, maybe. Unless we've they had... like the controversy and they like <laughs> being that, playing that role. Well, they also uh, like... to Jay's point, and they like, they like the fact that um, Florida State is not the best. Yeah. The best. Team Florida State of their without their quarterback is, and then Texas jumps in. Is probably the fifteenth well, best team. It, in the country. it might give them some cover if Florida State loses, and they can. Oh, talk they about hope leaving State them loses. out because they don't have to make that decision of yeah, not having their quarterback. Out. They just they want Florida State out. So no, they wanted them to win that way. They have I four undefeated teams, and there's no controversy. But even if if Florida State loses, I and think Texas there would wins, be controversy. And Texas wins, then it's an easy. Texas is in at the four seed. If if if, if Washington beats Oregon, if yeah. Washington, yeah. So if so if Michigan wins, Washington wins, Georgia wins, Florida State barely wins, Texas annihilates Oklahoma State. There's controversy between Florida is, State and Texas. There is. There definitely is. The four is. or five, for sure. I don't think they would put Texas in over Florida State, nor I don't think they should. I don't, I but don't I, know, though, because, because uh, well, I could I don't, see the I don't argument. Think they, yeah, I don't think they should necessarily based on this, this framework that they work in. Mm-hmm. However, the teams that have made the playoff um, over the years that have not even gone to a conference championship game, um, that have a loss, and Texas would have a strong case to say, yeah. We are better than this Florida State team. Look at the scoreboards over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Look at who they beat. Look at who we beat. Given Oklahoma State loses to South Alabama, but we annihilated them. Um, but or, but then Florida State says we beat everybody on our schedule. What more do you want us to do? It's not quarterback's it's not hurt. our fault. The quarterback's hurt. It's not like I'm not saying it's right. It's not like I'm he not was winning the Heisman. I'm I mean, not saying it's correct. He was up for. He was. He was, he was in a running for it. No, he was. He was not. The last six weeks of the season, he was nowhere to be found on the top five Heisman candidates. I'm not saying nowhere to be found. But if, you were, but if you were to look at the body of work, Florida State's body of work is not great. No, they they have they it's have better than been Texas because they don't have a loss. Not in the strength, only not in, not in the strength of schedule, strength yeah. of record. Only in the fact they don't have a loss. Yeah, 
But their loss is against a really good Oklahoma team, whereas Florida State struggled against a lot of really not good teams. And I think we all know, and they're not blind to it, that they're probably going to get their ass handed to them in the playoff regardless of who they play. I, I don't know. We thought TCU was going to get smoked last year, and they made it to the final game. Hell, we thought Ohio State was the year that they got in over Baylor and TCU, and they won I the mean, whole Ohio game. Ohio State almost beat Georgia last year as the 4-1. and one. Things can happen, definitely. It's one game. Things can happen. Yeah, There's a lot it. of chaos. I would like to see all four of those teams go undefeated just so I can prove you guys wrong that it's not that big of a – it's not that close. I – I don't know if that'll prove us wrong. I think what we're going to say is there's a lot of controversy, and I think there would be a lot of controversy. Not to me. I agree. As if my team was undefeated, if 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 oh, for Dylan sure. Gabriel got hurt last week, and then we we <laughs> yeah, but that's not almost fair because we let let's say that we don't have the backup that we have in Jackson Arnold, right? Well, I don't know Florida how good State's Florida State. Yeah, that's what I'm is. saying. Is uh, it's not He's like not Jackson what's Arnold. his name? No, but Travis. I don't know how good he is or not. The Florida State kid that got hurt, Travis Wilson. No, it's not Travis Wilson. Travis? Travis? No. Jordan Travis. Jordan, Jordan Travis. Travis. It's not like, like I said, it's not like he was a Heisman candidate. Their second-string quarterback might be, you know, probably 80% as good as him, and that's good enough that they deserve to be in the playoff. Well, my prediction is there will be that Florida State gets in in that scenario, but there would be controversy, but it's conditioned on a very narrow Florida State win and a dominant win by Texas, which is – and all those other things happening to even position it so that there's controversy. I think it's much more likely, if you just look at the odds, Oregon's going to win, Michigan's going to roll, Georgia's going to squeak by, and Texas is probably going to roll. Florida, got Florida State, State squeaking is going to squeak by, down to one and, a half. and you're going to have some controversy one way or the other. Now, if, if Alabama beats Georgia in an ugly game that ends in a last-second field goal, um, and again, Texas just absolutely rolls and dominates, and Florida State's undefeated. Then I really think you have to look at the fact that Georgia needs to get left out. You think you'd have zero SEC teams in the final in the four? I think I think that that would be the right the course to, and I think that's actually something they might do based yes. on the structure. Yeah, and that, I think that, and it, to get into the crux of just what we're talking about is that has been the the controversy around this whole committee based mm-hmm. stuff yeah. that's happened i mean like and given like i think that's what's so frustrating about these interviews that happen after the 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 ranking releases and all this stuff is because these guys come out and they talk out of their ass and they 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 come up with these blanket reasons that you know to to the fans that it affects or to the teams even that it affects it makes no sense mm-hmm. yeah and they're like the big or they 12. talk about they'll talk about your strength of schedule and then they'll go to the next team and they'll say, well, how good they're playing on the field. Yeah. And then they'll go to the next team that they're talking about, and it's a whole different standard that they're judging them off of. It's like, well, what's the criteria mm-hmm. here? It's a lot like the Big 12. They just make the rules up as they go along. Yeah. And that's that's something the committee has always done. Yes. And we always complain about, well, what Jay just said. Well, the strength of schedule should matter this much, but now you're saying that this team's loss against this number 12 team is – isn't as bad as this team's loss to the number three team or whatever the numbers are. And now with Florida State, you're getting into a whole other level of, of subject, subjectivity with, oh, well, they won all their games, but their quarterback's not that good, and they're not going to be able to compete, right? And, like, you know, yeah. not completely discounting exactly what you said, Lucas. We Florida, have, State, Florida State controlled exactly what they could – did what ex- exactly what they were supposed to do. They won all their games on their schedule. Because really the same thing can happen with – um, Washington and Oregon. I mean, if Phoenix or uh, Phoenix. Yeah. 
what was the Bo Nix? Mm-hmm. What if they get hurt late in the game, but right. they hold on to win? Right. Do you want an Oregon hmm. without Bo Nix in right. the playoff? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Or Texas without Quinn Ewers. So yeah. would we be in a better world if we would have kept the BCS structure? In one of its iterations or another, and I preferred the iteration before we monkeyed with it because they didn't like the outcome, um, versus a committee of grand poobahs who sit back in a closed room and and decide what to who should be there. Well, I absolutely wish that because it put OU in the top ten right now, and we're talking about you know what what hotel are we staying at in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there is you have to put some boundaries and some constraints around how you how you actually send these teams to these big ticket bowl games. Well, I think it's amazing that we in in the history of college football, we went from having all this angst and wanting a playoff. We hated the idea of, of the mythical national championship and just that the voters decided it and had its own levels of arbitrariness so that we replaced it with the BCS, only to get mad at the BCS, and then replace it when we went to a playoff with this committee, only to be mad at the committee, and now we need to go to something else. Well, the and BCS, what we're settling on is a 12-team playoff, the which is the only thing people can agree on. probably really didn't get it wrong very much. No, I don't think it did. And sure, you can and program not if, not if it in... Was four or eight teams or you 12. You can program in some bias to your computer to a degree, but not like a committee full of ADs. Not well, and the, B- the BCS, the BCS did not account for TV dollars that are going to generate yes. the the viewership that we are all accustomed to now and are all having to. Well, you know that's part of it. Yo, yeah. it's I, I don't even think it's part of it. I think it's a ma- I think it's yeah I think it's a driver. So if you had a a two lane or someone who was in the mix of this conversation and they were twelve and zero going into their championship, and they had happened to be fifth or sixth, they wouldn't even be a factor. And well, we've look, seen that I mean, before when they weren't a look factor. At, look at Boise State back when they beat us. Boise State, if, if, if that's today, Boise State's in the spot that, you know, a Liberty or a Tulane or someone like that is in, and they're in the, the lower, the mid to lower rankings. Well, we had that with UCF and, in the playoff and, realm, and yeah. we had that with others that were closer, but, they, but, but to the benefit of the committee they lost late in the season and avoided the controversy and the craziness Mm -hmm. that would have been like we won 13 games why aren't we in the mix which i guess the only time was when scott frost claimed his national championship i believe that was in the playoff era yeah and they got quote-unquote left out yeah Um, it would have been way better if they'd have waited 60 years before they claimed a championship like 1945. <laughs> yeah, that'd been yeah. way cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have made, it made a, a, well. That's a, a lot more justifiable, my, right? right? My my perfect well, there's no perfect scenario, but but what I wanted to happen coming out of the BCS era into the playoff era was continue the BCS to pick your top eight. Yeah. I thought eight, yeah. eighteen playoff yeah. was optimal for me. Me too. Um, so that would have been what I did. You you probably would have had to do something where you allowed a group of five, an undefeated group of five in there. Um, but then the the BCS would have decided <clears throat> the best eight to play, yeah. as opposed to the committees. Well, I think it's getting decades later now. We're getting to eventually next year going forward will be a pretty damn good system that it's really hard to argue against because everybody will have a shot at it. We'll still have arguments about who gets the buy and who doesn't. We'll still have well, arguments yeah. about who's position that last where. Spot, that last, the twelve, the eleven and twelve spots. There's going to be. We've some, always argued some that's a, and the eight that's nine. That's a better spot 
to, to be argue. less yeah, upset. For sure. About. Exactly. Absolutely. Because yeah. those teams are more than likely. But, but I'm get saying beat. the teams that you're going to argue is four versus five, yeah. who gets a bye, and eight versus nine, who gets home field advantage. So the BCS is still calculated. Just, yeah. They mm -hmm. still have it just for fun. So as of today, they've got Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four, Ohio State five. Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. So like the committee basically is going off of BCS rankings to a certain outside of Ohio State. State. No, they still got Ohio State. Are they ahead of yeah. Texas and Bama? Okay. So mm -hmm. they're basically have the BCS rankings. They just yeah. sit there and drink their drinks and pretend to work for a couple hours. <laughs> like, what's the BCS? Rankings? Well, we all know Let's that they're not. They're not watching football. Well, yes, but they're, they're looking a, at stats. And I yes. think the the frustration roots out of. The things that they say as to the the reasons they do what they do. Yeah. Like I, I'd Jay, I'd be okay with that. Like, yeah, we 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 gauged it. Uh, we took our assessment. Here's what we have. We bumped it up against the BCS. It matches, which they're never going to say that. But I I feel better about it. I mean, now that you're saying that, but the all this eye test and then the the other subjective factors that they bring into the conversation well the arbitrariness and yeah. the, and the switching oh, criteria is passing percentage so yeah. like, they, like, they asked him why do you have Oregon ahead of Texas oh well have you seen Bo Nix's passing percentage yeah. like it's 76% oh my god that was so stupid <laughs> and that and, and that in and of itself reveals the biases that are that are yeah. there right like yeah. that's crazy so yeah. i mean it's it's just there will be less room for it as well when we're in the two Super Leagues that are going to happen starting next year. And that's bad news for everybody that's going to be left out of that. But it's just the reality of the world. If you emerge out of these conferences as, as one of the top three teams out of the SEC or the Big Ten, you're pretty much a shoe-in to be in the playoff, and you should be. You should be. I guess that'll be some more of the controversy that you've got somebody who's maybe 11-1 and one and, and well, actually, they could be, I guess, twelve and one, um, having lost the conference championship in the Big Twelve to another team who's undefeated. And they're saying, "Why not us? Why not us?" And say, "You're playing the Big yeah, Twelve. I have, I have some live-ish breaking news. Okay, um, from the College Football Report. Rumors are swirling that Florida State quarterback Tate Rodemaker may be out against Louisville in the ACC championship. So Florida State. Maybe on Might be on their third-string quarterback. Wait, we didn't have any locks of the week on that one, did we? Okay. Yeah, I took Louisville. <laughs> I mean, Ohio, double down. Ohio State did it. They won a national championship with a third-string quarterback. That has got to oh, be. Oh, that's why it's dropped the, the exception. Point. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely the exception to the rule. And they, and I tell you what, to their credit, they worked around that, the strength of their of that uh, Cardell Jones. Yeah. And did just what he could do, which was just the belldozer let him run. Speaking of. Uh, super conferences. What, at what point does Notre Dame, with a 12-team playoff, just decide that we're not scheduling anybody any good on our schedule because they're independent, and they just play? I think they're going to have to. Ten I don't think work. And then maybe I don't think it'll work. A Big Ten guy and a Big Twelve person. You know, other than the fact that the committee is driven by eyeballs a lot and, and viewership. That's not going to work. That's going to look really illegitimate if they're getting in there every year because they haven't played anybody but their Notre Dame. Yeah, but it's a 12-team playoff. So say they're undefeated, but they only played the 80th yeah. ranked yeah. schedule. Right. They they and could be 12th? number 10 and get in the playoff and have not played anybody whatsoever. Would Notre Dame fans put up with that? I don't think they would. 
I think if I think they've a, got if enough. If it guarantees them a playoff I don't think every so. year, yeah, I might. don't think so. I think they've got enough football integrity that they're not going to want to do that. that I they're hope gonna, so. They're going to want something better. What would we want? They just need to join a conference. We, needs to happen. They do. They absolutely need to. And maybe we need to get to 20 teams in each of these two super conferences. We, we yeah. would pluck Florida State, Miami, and um, North Carolina, I don't know, and um, Clemson. Clemson. And they can go get Notre Dame and, and three others, and we just call it a day. We got two super teams, and we'll call one the AFC, the, the other the NFC, and we'll play a Super Bowl, baby. I don't know. That's kind of where it's kind of get, going to get to. It'll be interesting to see the mix and match, too. You know there's going to be a lot of um, we play a Big Ten team, you know, from the SEC and vice versa versus just an SEC side versus a, a, a Big Ten side. Um, but it'll be interesting and controversial how that evolves because you're going to want to have a chance for your conference to have a team all the way up there. So a lot, a lot ahead for all of that. That's going to be interesting. We'll be back after um, all the, the championship games, and then once the committee meets and all the bowls are decided, we'll, we'll be back with a pod on Sunday to talk about where OU's headed and um, what the, the bowl season has in store for it. Until then, Boomer, Sooner. Sooner.